0: The information contained herein should not be considered investment advice. All investments have risks. This podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon without first consulting your personal financial, tax, and legal advisors. The Benchmark podcast is affiliated with BCS Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor.
1: Welcome to The Benchmark, a podcast from our team here at BCS Wealth Management. Uh, my name is Nick, and today I have Nathan, John, and Myra with us to talk about um, a common topic that comes up, and that is trusts. So we call this podcast Trusts 101. Uh, so, Myra, why don't you start us off and tell us a little bit about what we're going to talk about today?
2: yeah thanks Nick um, yeah so we we get this question quite a bit um, from our clients um, you know what is a trust do I need one and we were talking about this just a little bit ago that really that is a loaded question um, and you can really get very specific with trust um, and go down a rabbit hole almost which we're we're gonna try and keep it today just to a basic Level just trust 101 and build a foundation that we can have more episodes on in the future and really just dial in on the different types um, because we can get really detailed with them um, once we start talking about what they can be used for. So, why don't we just start off with like what is a trust?
0: Yeah, but and to your point, we, we're we not legal professionals,
2: True. we don't do this every day, yes, so. Good point.
0: Um, uh, you definitely want to consult a, an attorney before you go forward with for you sure. know, the real specifics and setting one up. But um, you know, at a high level, a, a trust is a, a relationship between two parties with some type of property involved for the benefit of a of another. Um, you know, creating a trust, as I said, is it's a legal document executed by a trustee, and we'll get into some more definitions shortly. Um, but it's a legal document that. You know, transfers assets from one person to a beneficiary.
1: Yeah, so it's um, an attorney drafts that document, and it can be used for uh, you know a, a variety of different reasons. Uh, there's different categories. There's several categories actually of trusts, and so we'll talk about different categories today. We'll talk about the parties to a trust today. And we'll talk a little bit more in specifics about two different types of trusts that are pretty common uh, for a lot of people that have trusts uh, and what we deal with on a regular basis with our clients and what we see. But, you know, as far as categories go, there's simple or complex, um, even though sometimes everything about a trust seems (laughs) complex. uh, You know, it's a legal document, (laughs) so if you've ever seen any kind of legal document, it's uh, sometimes can give you a headache. They're all
0: complex.
3: Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> but there are simple trusts and complex trusts. And then there's revocable or irrevocable. And we'll talk a little bit more later about uh, the differences in those two and what they might be used for. And then there's testamentary trusts or inter vivos or inter vivos, as some people call it. Um, those, are, those are really the, the high level, if we're just kind of scratching the surface, it's the different types of categories of trusts. And so before we get into the, you know, a little bit more into the weeds of what those trusts are and why you might use one or why people do use them, let's talk a little bit more about uh, just who is involved or the parties are involved with the trust and maybe uh, just kind of a brief definition of, of what their roles and responsibilities are. So Nathan, if you wanna um, tell us a little bit about, give us the
3: definitions, give us sure. the people involved. Sure. So, uh, as Nick was saying, there's lots of different categories, but no matter what type of trust we're dealing with, there's going to be the same basic players involved. And it it can be a lot of people or not a lot, but pretty much in every trust you're going to have um, certain players involved. One would be the grantor. Uh, That's the person who's actually establishing the trust. Uh, This is the person with the property or with the assets that they want to move to the trust. Um, so that's the grantor. The trustee um, is the person or the institution that's been named in the trust agreement to carry out whatever objectives are named in that trust document. I think sometimes it's a, a misconception that the trustee can do whatever they want to do that's not the case the trustee has to follow whatever the trust document says to do so they just they just make sure that's carried out based on the grantor's wishes um, trust is set up really um, to benefit a beneficiary so we've got a beneficiary when we're dealing with trust and that is the person that the trust benefits so whether we're dealing with um, investments or property, whatever it is, that trustee is going to manage those assets to benefit this person that has been named, and that's the beneficiary. So those are kind of three of the main players. There's also a a possible trust protector that you're going to hear about as well, and Myra's going to tell us about that.
2: Yeah, the the trust protector is not necessarily um, always involved on a trust you may have a document that names one um, a lot of the newer trust documents we see nowadays have a trust protector I, the older ones wasn't as common uh, maybe 10 years or more ago to have a trust protector but basically a trust protector is someone that the grantor can name in the document that gives them certain powers to, to maybe um, change the trust in limited ways based off maybe new circumstances for the beneficiary maybe new tax laws that come out um, that may make the intent of the trust you know change in some way or another where you know something needs to be handled differently for the beneficiary you know to maximize the use of the trust um, you know it could even be things like, It could even be like terminating the trust, you know, in in an extreme case, but um, making distributions to the beneficiary or not based off of current tax law, um, things like that. You could also see um, some other individuals named um, alongside the trust protector, like maybe a distribution committee, investment committee um, named on the trust, that that's not necessarily always in a trust, but is sometimes, and we see it more often now. Um, There's also different types of beneficiaries. You may hear um, the terminology, like a remainder um, beneficiary or an income beneficiary. And that basically means like an income interest beneficiary is is a person who's intentionally getting income distributed from the trust every year so let's say you've got rental you've got property in there that's rental property it's you know collecting rent and maybe for that income beneficiary that that rent that income goes out to that beneficiary each year Um, or a remainder interest beneficiary is going to be someone who doesn't have a current interest they're not receiving anything currently from the trust but some time down the road based off of some event that happens that that whatever's in the trust may go to that remainder beneficiary whether it's someone else passes like the current beneficiary passes um something along those lines
1: yeah thanks mara that's um and there's more parties involved sometimes, uh, but at a high level, that's going to be, you know, I guess what is required, you know, a grantor, a trustee, sometimes a trust protector. Obviously, beneficiaries um, are required to be parties of any kind of trust. So now that we've kind of gotten that out of the way and used the the fancy uh, words for people, and yeah, sometimes... Yeah,
2: kind of the boring part of trust. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> and sometimes, you you know, you have to... Uh, there's the or and the e you know you kind of have to kind of go back and remember wait is this the grantor or uh, is this the trustee or you know depending on how complex or um, you know a trust document is it'll have a lot of different parties serving different purposes so um, I think they could come up with better names but uh, I guess I don't know know. Is law you know definite or Words established from Latin. I don't know, or? but
2: when um, a long time ago, when I first started in this industry, um, there were a group of attorneys. Actually, I think they still meet sometimes, but um, maybe once a week, they came and met for lunch to just discuss current topics. And at this point, I had gotten pretty used to reading a couple, you know, their normal documents. And I uh, mentioned to our uh, managing partner at the time, Mike. Um, something about, like, can't they make this more readable? It's like reading the King James Version, (laughs) which I I didn't mean, but he took that back to them at their lunch next lunch meeting, and I I heard about that for a while. But that's what it reminds me of is reading the King James Version.
1: Yeah. Um, You know, sometimes even, you know, as the grantor and the person establishing the trust, you know, a lot of times that person, you know, if they're a client of, of ours, they'll come back and say, hey, can, can you look this over? Like, is this, is this what we're trying to do here? Because <laughs> right. it's, it's pretty, they've complicated it. But, right. um, you know, it, it, it is what it is, I guess. Um, so we've gotten some of the definitions out and the parties involved. And then let's get back to, you know, some of the categories. So we, we've established earlier that simple or complex, revocable or irrevocable inter vivos or testamentary. So, um, John, what? tell us about the simple and and
0: complex. It really just depends on how the money is, or the income is being distributed to the beneficiary. Um, In a simple simple trust, it's the, um, you know, anytime that money is earned during a calendar year, it's distributed to the beneficiary. Uh, In a complex trust, that money can be retained and reinvested uh, to be distributed at a later point. Um, the principal in a simple trust is generally, by definition, not distributed, so it will stay intact uh, to continue to produce income. Um, but really, you know, with the trust, it, the tax rules are, are different in a yeah. trust. They, um, they're not your normal margin tax brackets that, that we all pay as individuals. Uh, they're a little more aggressive
1: I we'll <laughs> Yeah. It that's yes yes so uh um that's a
0: good
1: that's point something I mean, to look at when, when, with a trust you know you
0: get you get to the highest tra- tax bracket at, it doesn't take much at all right. it's less than fifteen thousand dollars i think in income a year and yep. you're at the highest tax bracket yep. something yep. you know not fun long. no yeah get there quick yeah. So when, you're, when you do have a trust, those
1: are things you have to think about. That, that doesn't necessarily negate the reason or the validity or anything like that. But, you know, those are things you have to consider when, when you do have a trust. And some trusts, uh, you know, are paid back at individual tax rates, you know. So uh, it just kind of depends. So it's not a—but generally speaking, trust tax rates are not very friendly.
0: Yeah, and they're not all
1: in, income-generating Necessarily, it be a trust. True.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, revocable, irrevocable.
0: Yeah. The um, so a revo- revocable uh, is a trust that you know you can set up. You set up actually while you're alive, and um, at any point uh, during that time that you're alive, you can revoke it. Revoke it. That's <laughs> 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 uh, down the line it can if you once you pass away it becomes irrevocable obviously as the grantor you're no longer there to make decisions so um it is yeah at that point irrevocable um
2: yeah another thing about the revocable it's typically Almost just like having the asset still in your name a lot of times. I mean, even if we're opening a revocable trust for someone, it's under their social security number. It doesn't have its own tax ID number. All the income generated is on that person's tax return. So it's at their marginal tax rates.
1: So no extra tax return.
2: Exactly. Yeah, pretty easy. It's, um, It's almost just like if you have a trust account at the bank, it's almost just like it's for day to day purposes, like it's just in your name.
0: Yeah. What about irrevocable? So, I wouldn't it, say the yeah. opposite, but just uh, not quite. Yeah, not the opposite, but you, you still, it is what it you you sounds set, like, right? You can set it up, yeah. yeah, irrevocable. Once it's set up, you can't change it. Yep. Right. Um, yeah, I guess unless there's maybe a trust protector that can come in and yeah, for limited under certain ways circumstances yeah, it can things, be changed
2: but, in very limited ways. Um,
0: but again, to the, to the next point, or Myris, it's not taxed. It's a separate taxable entity at that point,
2: right? Right, right. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, it's no longer, you can't really, uh, even though you may have some influence on how the trust is designed, you can't really do much after that,
2: right. you know? Right.
1: Um, and there's a lot of reasons why you would wanna do that. But, uh, and we'll talk about that. A uh, Couple other, you know, I guess def- definitions or types of trust, testamentary trust, um you know is subject to probate at a grantor's death and it is typically um, comes into play by your will you know your will may establish uh, a trust at your death so you may not it may not be funded but at your death the will says okay with these specific assets we're going to establish a trust Um, and then so that's testamentary and then inter vivos or Uh, I guess some people say vivos. I don't know. So I'll cover cover both (laughs) my bases. I don't know exactly what's right. But um, that's that instead of being established at your death, it is you establish it during your lifetime. And so a lot of these trusts, uh, you know, these aren't all different types of trusts. And a lot of them can be, you know, um, more than one type of trust Mm -hmm. or check more than one box. So. Uh, probably what we see well at at a high level a trust is probably going to be revocable or irrevocable so let's let's talk a little bit more about uh, those two different types of trusts you know what do they mean why you might uh, use one over the other Um, so Mari tell us a little bit about just you know What are the characteristics of a revocable trust? Why might somebody say, hey, that might make some sense for me or my family?
2: Yeah, so when you have a revocable trust, for starters, um, just like John said, that means you can terminate it, change it, um, really flexible. So since all those things are true, it's obviously going to be created during your lifetime, um, which makes it an intervivos vivos trust or inner vivos trust. For the, um, so revocable
1: inner vivos. Yep. Those <laughs> go
2: hand in hand. Um, which also means it could be funded or unfunded. So you could set up a revocable trust and forget to do anything with it, which happens. Um, it's not, it's not very useful if you don't put anything in it, but, um, you can actually set up a revocable trust and actually never fund it that kind of defeats the purpose, but.
1: So what does it mean to fund it?
2: It means that you change the title on assets to be titled as your trust. So it could be an investment account, it could be your house where you would go make sure that instead of the deed saying Myra Odell, it could say Myra Odell revocable living trust or whatever I decided to name my trust. so basically, you just change the ownership title on whatever it is that you're wanting to be in the trust. Um, like John said, it, be, it be, any revocable trust automatically becomes irrevocable at death, and that makes sense because the grantor, the person setting up the trust, is the one that has the ability to revoke it, and if you're in the grave, that might get hard to do, um, so it becomes irrevocable. Um, Assets and one of the big reasons, not the only reason, but one of the big reasons that we see a lot of revocable trusts is that assets inside of the trust are not subject to probate. Um, So since those assets are titled into the trust, it bypasses any will that you may have set up or any beneficiary designations on anything. Um, And that does several things. It's It's quicker to transfer the property to beneficiaries, um, and it's also private, which we'll get into that a little bit more. Um,
1: So let me interrupt you there. Sure. You you mentioned probate. So what is there's another definition there that maybe a lot of people have heard of but don't quite know exactly what that means. So uh, what does that mean, and is it a good thing, is it a bad thing, is it indifferent, and where does it come into play with these trusts?
2: Yeah, so probate basically without without having the definition in front of me, so general term of probate is you are identifying someone who's passed away, you're identifying all their assets. I so you're basically taking inventory. You're naming someone to handle that who's called an executor, so you're naming someone to to you know, take inventory of all this stuff. You're notifying creditors that Hey, this person's passed away. Did they owe you any money? I can hear Scott getting out yeah. of his meeting. Yeah. Sorry about that. If you're hearing some background noise. Yeah,
1: we're, there are people working. Right yeah, now. we're we're
2: crammed <laughs> into our little studio here, but there are advisors working outside. Um, but anyway, taking inventory, notifying creditors. So if that person owed you money, you could you know say, hey, this person owed me money. I want to get paid. Um, and then. Eventually, distributing those assets um, out to the people that were named in the will for them to go to. So, in a nutshell, that's not maybe the technical definition, yeah. but that's what happens. But it's a, it's, yeah. a it's a process.
0: It's a process. And by law, what is it? in Tennessee is it 180 days? Well, there there is period? a
3: waiting period that you have to provide to allow creditors to come forward, things like that. Yeah. And and also, you know, just to mention, this is done through the court system, and a lot of people just don't want to go through the court system. And the
1: court system is public.
3: Yes. Yes. So, um, you know, your will will become public at that point. And um, so this whole process can take, uh, at minimum, you know, four or five months up to years, depending on... And
2: can uh, be expensive. It can be
3: expensive. So so when I think about the court system, I think about attorneys and, um,
1: you know, nothing against attorneys, but they cost money and so when something has to you know involve an attorney in the court system you know i guess those are probably two of the negatives of you know not having a trust or um, only having a will or nothing is is the fact that it becomes public knowledge it can take more time to figure everything out um, and it has to go through the court system and i guess ultimately a judge has to approve it right Mm -hmm. and so um, there's an example there, of, so that might be an example of why a revocable trust might be appealing because you can still, you know, maintain control over your assets and avoid having to go through uh, the court system. And a lot of people like to keep things private, and that's a way to keep things private. So, what, what are other reasons why you might want to use a revocable trust?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um when you fund one with an irrevocable trust, you may owe gift tax or have to file a gift tax return. Um, when you fund it, if you fund more than the annual exempt exclusion, exemption, whatever the term That's is, 17,000 this year, um, you may have to file a gift tax return. That is not the case for a revocable trust. Um, and then also assets that are in a revocable trust are still included in the grantor's estate at that person's passing for federal state tax purposes. So two, two keys there. It does not get the property and the value out of the grantor's estate for estate tax purposes. Yep. Okay, now I can move on to. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and and we'll probably in in later episodes we'll talk more about, you know. I mean, there's there's some pretty good reasons why you would want to get it out of your estate, why you want to basically say, this is not
2: mine anymore. Right, right, yeah. And we definitely will have some more episodes that really um, dial into specifics on different types of trusts and different uses for them. Um, but anyway, so... Reasons to use revocable trust, um, one of the, I, I think, this is not normally the reason someone will set one up, but it's one of the, I think, in our industry, the most useful purposes of it is that if, if you've got, if, well, let's say if I'm the grantor um, and I'm getting up there in age or whatever... Um, and and to the point where I don't really want to keep track with, I need some help maybe keeping track of all my accounts, my expenses, that type of thing. Um, so normally, traditionally, you would set up what's called a power of attorney, a fi- financial power of attorney, where you name someone to handle your financial affairs. Um, more and more, because of all the fraud and that type of stuff going on in the world, um, financial institutions are... Not wanting to honor the, yeah. the power of attorney documents as much anymore, um, but they are much more likely to honor a, a trust document. So, um, you know, at a simple level, if you're a grantor and, you, um, you know, you set up a revocable trust, when you can name a successor trustee, normally as a revocable living trust, you're your own trustee, but you do have the ability to name somebody else who then could handle all those financial decisions for you um to the extent that you want them to so i think that's one of the things that's really overlooked a lot um and not usually why someone sets one up but it's definitely a benefit um and and yeah just in general to continue just the continuity of the management of those assets as someone passes or do, becomes disabled, because you've got another person named to handle, or even another—you um, could even name like an entity. Well, there's trust companies out there, um, professionals that can do that as well. Um, so, a couple of reasons, um, like we talked about before, it's a—it's a lot more private at, at your death um, that. Doesn't become the assets inside the trust and who they go to and how much they are worth and all those types of things don't become public information. Um, also, make because you don't have to go through probate, it makes that transition period a lot easier, smoother, potentially less expensive.
0: And sometimes there's medical bills outstanding or you know just
2: yeah. different situations
0: where you, the family. A car they need to get rid of, or something like, right. or would like to get rid of and do something with right. before, right? You know, six get, eight months down yeah, the road. Yeah, it
2: gets that that or those home, assets you know? to the family or beneficiaries much faster if they need the yeah, asset so that they can use it if they need to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, and it also yeah you know you've probably heard of um, celebrities and like. People contesting their wills. I don't know what's the most recent famous one. There's been quite a few out <laughs> there, um, but having a trust, you know, avoids all of that mess. Well, um, and
1: there's when there's more money or property or just assets in in general involved. You know, you may have everything buttoned up with a will, but. People could come out of the woodwork and, and start contesting yeah. that will if they think they might get something out That's of it. Right. Mm-hmm.
3: Especially when all your assets become public yeah. and they see what you've got. Yeah.
2: That's yeah. the situation. Yeah. More money, more problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we <should laughs> <talk> about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not going to sing it. Don't worry. Um, yeah. And then one other benefit, you know, and this, I, you know, an attorney would really need to go into the details of this, but um you there's different states have different rules and different laws for a trust set up in that state so there may be a reason to set up a trust out of a different state you know depending on what your purposes of the trust are for so that's that's another reason so so those are the there's all kinds of reasons but uh, you know in general those are some of the big time reasons why we see them set up
1: yeah so that's revocable what about irrevocable so john talked a little bit about the high level differences but you know um what about you know why would somebody want to have an irrevocable trust and you know what are the benefits of doing that as opposed to just a revocable trust
2: yeah so irrevocable trusts, um like we've said can't be changed for the most part um when you do fund one um, it could be subject to gift tax um, these are some of the differences um, a lot of times um, assuming like the grantor who set it up doesn't have if they that person doesn't have a lot of control over the trust um, the value of those assets and potentially all the growth on them um, is excluded from the grantor's estate when they pass for gift uh, for estate tax purposes, um, and there's uh, some exceptions to that. There's some, and I won't get into the details of that. i will probably be a different episode. But um, there there are some controls that the grantor can still have over that trust and still get it out of their estate. Um,
1: but generally, if the grantor can. You know, I don't know if influence is the right word, but if they have a say-so or it appears that they have a say-so, then it's not necessarily considered to be irrevocable.
2: Right, right. Gives them too much. If They have too much control. Because there's,
1: there's benefits to it being irrevocable for right. which somebody might want to do it. But if they can still, you can't have the best of both worlds. You right. can't maintain control or claw back or influence it and still consider to have the Benefits of or get the benefits of not having control, right? You know, outside of your estate, right? And things like that.
2: Yeah, um, uh, one of the downsides, I guess, to assets that are in a, um irrevocable trust is a lot of times you don't get a step up in basis at death. So, um, that's some more terminology we, we haven't gone over, but if I've got a portfolio um, of investments in my account, and it's just in my name, no trust involved. Um, let's say I'm a really good investment advisor, and I make it grow like a whole bunch. Um, when I pass, um, at my death,
1: which I and I'll inherit.
2: Okay, well, let's say <laughs> next morning, to inherit it. Um, the growth on those assets, um, so the difference in what I paid for them and what they're worth at my passing, um, basically, if I were to sell them where I'm living, I would have to pay tax on the growth part, the difference in what I paid for it and what I sold it for. Um, but if, if I leave that to someone at my death, or I leave that to Nick at my death, um, he gets what we call a step-up in basis. So basically, all that gain for tax purposes gets wiped away. And he gets to use a new basis um, on that on those investments, and that basis is the value as of the date of my death. So, finally, he he could
0: sell it for and have no tax. And have no tax. Where yeah,
2: yeah, where if I sold it during my life or gifted it to someone and they sold it, um, there would be. capital gains tax do so so that's one of the downsides of putting it in an irrevocable trust it gets it out of your estate but then your beneficiaries don't get a step up in basis that you're passing they have to carry on the basis that you had in it
1: um and but again that's not the the determine the major determinant of why you would want to do right. it that's just part of it right now, there are huge huge benefits in a lot of situations to having something outside your estate
2: yeah so for instance the estate tax rate is 40 percent the capital gains tax rate which is what you'd pay if you sold it is a max of 20 percent. technically maybe 23 yeah. percent. and could be
1: zero percent and
2: could be zero percent so yeah you just that's why every situation is a little different um, and you have to consider all the pros and cons depending on what your purpose is for the trust.
1: Um, so what are, you know, without, <laughs> this is where we get into the alphabet soup of trust, yeah. you know. And uh, when I first started reading and hearing about these things, it was like, holy moly, this is like. Uh, you know IDGIT and grat and grit and all these different things but they're just definition they they're abbreviations for different types of trusts so we've we've talked about at a very high level types of trust but underneath the umbrella of of each type of trust there are you know a lot of different um, versions of that type of trust so for irrevocable trusts you know without getting into the you know, there, there's some really complex high level estate planning techniques that involve a lot of these trusts. Um, but what are and some of them have a lot of charitable intent, which is also uh, what I, you know, is, is fun and, and fun to work with sometimes. And, and is one of those things where it's kind of the best of both worlds where, you know, a beneficiary or a grantor can benefit from it, but also a charity. And so without getting into too much detail, we can, you know, I would say each one of these different. Types of trusts or irrevocable trusts is probably could could be worthy of its own 15-minute conversation or longer. But what are at a high level, Mar? What are some of the different types of irrevocable trusts that uh, you know we may run into or that might be of interest to folks?
2: Yeah, I'll go through these pretty quickly. and then know that we'll go through them in more detail in another episode, but um, common ones are irrevocable life insurance trusts. We call them Islets for short. They usually hold life insurance policies on someone for different reasons. Um, what's called a crummy trust, um, which is a trust that you set up to put in your annual exclusion gift amount um, into each year, and then you've got crummy letters that go with it. Again, those get very detailed, and we'll, we'll go into that more in another episode. Um, a qualified personal residence trust, which is used to transfer, um, like, the grantor's primary residence or sometimes a vacation home into. Um, grantor Retained Annuity Trust, or GRAT for short, um, which is used to transfer appreciation on an asset to someone's kids or other relatives. Um,
1: or a, a GRIT, th- which is similar.
2: Or a GRIT, which is similar. <laughs> yeah, we got all the <laughs> GRIT, GRAT. Um, special needs trust um, is typically set up for a family member who um, has special needs and is receiving because of that some government assistance so that trust is set up in a way to not prevent that beneficiary from still being able to receive their government assistance Um, a dynasty trust is a, a trust that we uh, we call a trust that's meant to last for many generations um, in perpetuity, if I can say that word correctly. That's um it. Yeah. And then an IGIT, Intentionally Defective Grantor Trust, is one where a grantor will transfer assets into it for their kids or other beneficiary, and, and it... Get, allows a grantor to retain certain powers or controls, which we talked about that a little bit ago. But um, there may be some reasons why why you want to retain that control. Also means that the income is taxable to the grantor instead of taxed inside the trust. Maybe reasons you want to do that. Um, so, yeah, each of those, Then that's just a handful of them. There's all kinds of different... Um, Types of irrevocable trust for different purposes, and like I said, we'll we'll really dive into those in multiple episodes in the future.
1: Yeah. So, kind of to, to wrap things up, we you know we get questions sometimes, and I think some you know probably a misconception with trust, people think of like a trust fund. Or a trust fund, trust fund baby, or you know, what, you know, and so I think people think of it as oh, you have to have a lot of money uh, to have a trust or to establish a trust, which is not necessarily true. I think that's just what you know certain movies or TV shows might uh, lead you to believe. But you know, we'll get the question a lot of times: Do I need a trust? So. Uh, You know, is there a clear black and white, Do you know, if somebody says, do I need to trust you? Or if that's a question of, you know, any of our listeners, um, you know, there's a lot of information that we went through. But, you know, is there a a clear, you know, answer to or is there a a benchmark in time or, you know, uh, an event that takes place that all of a sudden you have to have a trust or you need a trust,
3: you know? Yeah. I'm gonna say, you know, there's not one specific event. I mean, it's, every situation is uh, very specific, very different. Um, You know, and again, what you were talking about does not necessarily relate to the number of assets you have. Um, Maybe you have a special needs child to think about for the future. Um, If you have property, across state line, maybe you have property in two or three states, it might be very advantageous for you to look at a trust.
2: Yeah, and I think we've maybe failed to mention that earlier when I was talking about probate. If you've got real estate in multiple states, you have to do probate in each state that you have real estate in. Yeah, yeah, I failed to mention that, but that's a good point, that you, you, if you, for instance, live in Tennessee, but you have a vacation home in North Carolina, Florida, wherever, you most likely want to hold that in a trust to avoid probate in multiple states.
1: Yeah, or, or yeah. asset protection. Or I, mean, asset I don't protection. know if we talked about that, but, you know, some trusts provide an element of asset protection uh, and others don't, you yeah. know. And so I guess the to answer that question is is, you know, there's no specific you know, like you're just checking your boxes or a checklist that says, oh, bang, I I reached this point. I have to have a trust. It it is uh, very fluid and there's a lot of different reasons why somebody would need a trust. And so a lot of times it's um, what's going on in your life and is a trust, you know, a potential answer to kind of help solve a a problem or a concern that you may have. You know, and as far as do you need a trust, it's not, a like Nathan said, it's not an asset level thing. Um, It's more of a what's your specific situation thing. Uh, But certainly, I I would think generally, the more assets you have, the greater your net worth, more than likely, uh, the the more or the greater the likelihood that you might need some kind of trust for some kind of purpose,
0: whether it's asset protection or privacy. Um, Even simplicity in naming beneficiaries. If you simplicity got multiple qualified accounts with beneficiaries on it, and the right. family is still growing or something yeah. along those like, lines, say okay, this is the my trust is the beneficiary, then you don't have to change you and your wife or spouse You have to change six different
2: yeah, uh, yeah accounts. Yeah, you know? yeah.
0: I mean life just insurance. Right, it,
1: you can right, just, right. Yeah. Well, and
0: you can get really specific with trusts too. You know, you can really. Um,
1: write very specific rules when it, when it comes to those trusts. You can protect bloodlines from you know uh, future kids or grandkids, divorce, and things like that. And so there's a, I guess what we're getting at is there's a lot of different reasons and- Rabbit uh, holes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we can get really deep into that. And, and so, um, and we might do that one day, but a lot of different situations might necessitate a trust of some form. Um, so the, another question we get, you know, what? If, if if we establish or we think we might need a trust, is it expensive, and what is the process for doing that?
3: Well, I hate to say it depends because that's not much of an answer, but it depends. That's an attorney but, answer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, is it expensive? Um, in general, it's going to cost more than your, your basic will, you know, if you go and just get a basic— um, What we used to call a honey i love you will you know all to my spouse and my spouse all to me Um, yeah it's going to be more expensive than that but you know as nick was talking about earlier you know if if you're trying to save a few hundred dollars now remember you know you you may have probate down the road that's going to cost potentially thousands of dollars as well Um, just because you were trying to save hundreds of dollars today um, so yeah, it's pr- it's probably going to be a little more upfront uh, compared to your 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 basic estate planning documents, wills, and and um, so it's not cheap um, compared to that necessarily. But depending on your situation, the benefits might far outweigh the cost difference. Can you do them? What about the process? So, Nathan, if you didn't know, is an attorney, so that's why he's getting uh, stuck with these questions. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I used to be in that world, and I'm, I'm very glad to uh, be in the investment world now, but um, so the, the process is basically you, you need to go see an estate planning expert, an estate planning attorney. As John mentioned kind of at the start of this, we're not legal professionals, um, we're not in this world every day we work hand-in-hand with with our clients who are going through this process but but we do not uh, write the trust establish the trust so uh, the first thing of the process is you need to find a a professional attorney that specializes in estate planning Um, from then on it's going to be a process of, of laying out you know what all your assets are what are your goals what are your desires and then a lot of it, I think, is um, that balancing act we talked about of how much control are you willing to give up in order to get a benefit on the other side. So going to be lots of conversations, um, lots of discussion on, on what you're trying to do, and then that attorney is going to draft those documents for you. So that, that's pretty much the process, but again, find yourself a good estate planning attorney and go from there. We're
1: not legal professionals (laughs) Um, we do work with a lot of attorneys estate planning attorneys and we have you know what i would say uh, more than enough to be dangerous we know about these things and we can uh, you know help our clients identify needs and help answer questions but at the end of the day uh, you need to see an estate planning attorney they can draw up the documents they can answer questions they can uh, bring ideas to the table a lot of times and that's nothing that, that we can do. And, and don't go on the Internet. Don't use. Yeah. Don't use. Uh, I'm not even going to mention the name of the website because <laughs> yeah. I don't want people to go there. But uh, but it's a big step. It's an estate planning step. And, um, you know, it's it's something that more often than not people are having to at least think about or consider. So so we're not legal professionals. I'll say it one more time. Uh, okay. But in future episodes, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, different types of those trusts. We'll get into the, the whole alphabet soup of Islets and Cuperts and Grats. And, you know, I think I'm Slaps. getting a headache just talking about it. Um, slats, Myra said, is a, is a pretty common uh, estate planning technique uh, for couples, uh, sometimes with kids and grandkids. But anyway, enough of that. So we, I think hopefully if you stayed, you stayed listening <laughs> long enough to this, uh, you know, more power to you. Uh, it's an important topic, so we wanted to get it out there. We realize it's not necessarily for everybody, but hopefully this can be a resource that maybe if you ever have questions on, you can you can revisit. So, with that, um, we'll conclude. with With anybody else got anything else to say or? Mm-mm. All right. I think so. Until next time. Thanks for joining us.